The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It has been said that we are but one generation away from forgetting our history. Welcome to American Heroes Network, where we serve our American tradition with Gary Ray. In our program, you will hear firsthand the personal accounts of heroes whose unselfish actions have contributed to the traditions and values that represent the soul of America. You'll also hear from our partners and affiliations presenting news events and ways that our veterans and their families can rebuild their lives. Now, here is Gary Ray. Today is April 18, 2017. Good morning and welcome to the American Heroes Radio. As always, with me, my co-host is Lieutenant Colonel Bill Forbes, U.S. Army retired. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Gary. And as always, it's great to be with you. All right. Bill, last week we had another great show. We had Constance Burns from the National Association of American Veterans, Inc. They were founded and established back in 2005 by Constance, President and Chief Executive Officer and Veteran Service Officer in Washington, D.C. Their initials and their website are actually naavet.org, and they assist, inform, and help to facilitate the educational, healthcare, housing, employment, legal, veterans' claims and benefits, and emergency assistance and referral needs for those who have served. If you happen to miss the live show, you can hear the complete show in our archive section on the AmericanHeroesNetwork.com. Now, Bill, as always, you have some good news for us, or... <laughs> well, uh, absolutely, Gary. Bad. You know, uh, uh, we are... Uh, uh, just about at the close, if not actually the closed season for uh, uh, income tax season. And uh, the state of Minnesota is offering a tax break this year for retired military veterans, uh, whereby their portion of their um, military retirement is exempt from state taxes. Now, Minnesota has been one of those states for a long time uh, that uh, did not allow an exemption uh, for or the state tax payment uh, on their uh, military retirement income. But this year, it's in, a, in effect, and there are about 19,000 veterans in the state of uh, Minnesota that will be able to uh, enjoy this change. So... Uh, Minnesota is also hoping that the announcement of this change will uh, allow or at least uh, encourage more veterans to remain in the state of Minnesota and not view it as a hostile state towards military veterans and uh, stay and uh, continue to work and live in Minnesota. So we uh, we applaud uh, Minnesota for doing this and hoping those uh, 19,000-plus retired veterans will take advantage of that. 
Are these states that, uh, not just Minnesota, are there other states uh, also that are included in this, just the ones that don't have state taxes? or? Well, uh, uh, this is an individual uh, um, uh, decision on, uh, on, uh, on each of the states. Uh, you know, here in Maryland, where I am, uh, this has been a concern for, I'd say, the past 10 years. We started off uh, with about a a a five percent subtraction over the first uh, uh, five thousand uh, dollars in uh, income tax uh, or, or from the uh, uh, retirement, and it's up to ten percent. And uh, there's also another qualifier: the veterans, uh, retirees. Uh, um, be 65 years of age. So, you know, that continues to water it down, and it still uh, doesn't make for a great situation, but they continue to work on it because, Gary, as you know, each state in the country is required to have a balanced budget, and uh, if they give something up like this uh, in terms of reduction, uh, they must uh, find the dollars from somewhere else to, to make up the difference. That's true. That's very, very true. And uh, you have another article for us also, don't we, you? Yes. Uh, also, uh, uh, with the uh, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, as you know, uh, uh, over the past couple of years, there's been problems in the health care system, uh, in the hospitals particularly. And in the past week, there was sort of a bombshell uh, situation here in the Washington, D.C., uh, Veterans Hospital, uh, and it re- required some drastic, a- uh, drastic actions. The uh, Secretary uh, Shulkin has uh, 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 removed the directive from the hospital, but the, uh, uh, the Secretary is saying that uh, he needs help, and he's encouraging uh, any and all veterans and people from the private sector to uh, uh, to send uh, uh, complaints or issues of concern to the uh, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs or with reference to their uh, performance. As a matter of fact, uh, he's announced a new uh, website that will eventually compare every VA hospital's performance with that of nearby public hospitals and also provide reports on how long it takes to get service. So, uh, Gary, you know that long delay in getting service has been a problem for a long time, and hopefully the continued attention to this will produce some positive results. That's true. Well, let's get on with the show. Uh, Bill, you have the honor of introducing our guest, Chris, today. And it is indeed an honor, Gary. Uh, today we have Christopher Beatty, who is a OEF, that's uh, Operation Enduring Freedom, and an OIF, Operation Iraqi Freedom Marine, and a dog trainer and kennel master. Chris has nearly 16 years of experience training working dogs to include three combat deployments and three overseas tours with working dogs spending the last three and one-half years training service dogs for wounded veterans. 
Chris serves as the executive director, and he's also the founder and K9 programs manager for Semper K9 Assistant Dogs. Chris instructs over 60 volunteers in the training of mobility and psychiatric service dogs for military veterans and their families. Chris's experience is... uh, is uh, is an a- in animal behavior, obedience training, and service dog task force continues to produce over twelve uh, service dogs each year, without access to full funding or working or working facility. Specializing in rescued and mixed breed dogs, Semper K nine regularly demonstrates the wide. Uh, availability and range of success and use of rescue dogs to be trained as service dogs. Now, additionally, Chris has received has been recently awarded the uh, Red Bandana Hero of the Year by American Heroes Channel. Uh, he was nominated for his selflessness and ed- dedication to Semper K Nine. Semper K Nine assistance dog is a Guide Star Platinum participant and nationally recognized as a premier provider of service dogs for military veterans. Welcome, Chris, the American Heroes hey, Network. Welcome, Chris. Yeah, you, made, you made it sound, uh, uh, me, me sound more uh, professional than I really am. <laughs> uh, I'm, a, I'm a marine by heart and you know marine by trade uh and i, and I love being able to get back to my community so i appreciate you guys um you know afforded me this opportunity to come on and talk about September canine all right now chris why should we start from the beginning uh you know especially uh you're in business with your wife correct you run this nonprofit yes, with your wife yeah, my wife and I founded it, uh, and it actually was uh, more of her idea. Um, uh, fast forward about four years ago, and I was uh, just training, you know, doing basic obedience training, working dogs, and I was given an opportunity by another nonprofit to pilot a program creating service dogs for military veterans, uh, specifically using rescue dogs. So I spent uh, nine months on an internship doing that, and then from that... Um, Super Canine Assistant Dog was born in November of 2014. All right, all right. Now you were you were actually awarded the Red Banana. I'm only kidding, folks. <laughs> the Red Bandana Hero of the Year Award. <laughs> Tell us about yes, that. Sir. I, uh, uh, yeah, So uh, the American Heroes Channel reached out to. Uh, they have, oh, every year they have a uh, they have the nomination uh, for Wells Crowther. And he was uh, one of the victims in the uh, the World Trade Center. I think he was in the North Tower, and he's accredited with saving between eight and eight and fifteen people um, right before the building uh, collapsed, in which it also took his life. Um, but I think fast forward a year later, and they, you know, after uh, a lot of uh, investigations, that they were able to actually find out. And uh, and Wells was always known for having a red bandana with all the sports, and he played up at Boston College, and so every year. The uh, the his his family and uh, and Boston College have a Hero of the Year award, a Red Bandana Hero of the Year award to um, to advocate for somebody who you know does something for their community. And my wife nom- nominated me last year, and I was lucky enough to uh, um, to 
uh, to receive the award, and we actually got to go to Boston College and take one of our service dogs uh, uh, to the event, and uh, I got to go on the field. It was, uh, it was pretty nice. It was uh, definitely the highlight uh, of the program so far. All right. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break here, and that way uh, we can enjoy uh, this interview with you. So, yes, sir. again, you're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Chris Beatty, with Semper Canine. And, Bill, why don't you go ahead with your question? Well, Chris, I'm at your website right now, and I first want to compliment you on the uh, comprehensiveness of your website with all the information that's there. And I guess those kudos also go uh, to your wife since uh, uh, you've mentioned and I've been able to observe that she is a a very strong partner and contributor in uh, what goes on at Semper K-9. And uh, one of the things that I picked up on, Chris, is that uh, uh, for uh, training uh, a service dog uh, can get up uh, as high as uh, 20000 bucks. So I guess the question is, what goes into the determination that a veteran is eligible to receive a service dog? And that's uh, that, and that's the question we usually get first off um, when we run into veterans or when they apply on our website. And uh, the whole point of our website being as uh, as nice as it is, and I'm really really proud of uh, what the web designer group was able to do for us. Is it's very easy to navigate. Um, we had a we had a problem uh, with our first website of veterans being able to navigate and be able to find how to just apply or find out some basic information. But uh, 
and it, the industry standard is about $20,000 per service dog, uh, and that's specifically, uh, a lot of that includes just the year to two years of training them specifically for their veteran. Um, but depending on how long the dog is in training or how much he needs to do, um, some of the dogs are way more expensive. For mobility veterans, um, you know, they the dog is in training for 18 months to, to learn to be able to do as many tasks as possible to enhance that veteran's quality of life. Wow. Now, now uh, the joint training that you were talking about, give us uh, a little bit of information in terms of what is involved in that joint training process with the, uh, the dog and the veteran. So most of our dogs, are uh, they go through three phases of their training. Um, the first phase is just basic obedience to get them out, out into the public and actually um, to be able to, uh, to train out in public, so being able to go out to Walmart and Kmart and the places that veterans are going to go. Um, and the second phase of that is getting them used to that in every situation uh, uh, possible, so whether it's at the firing range or whether it's at a park with a bunch of kids running around. Um, and then the, late, the last part of training is the more specific directly to the veteran. That's usually when we bring the veterans in for the last three to six months of the, of the dog's training and they start learning and they start taking everything that the coaches and myself and our, our volunteers have taught these dogs and then making them specific tasks for that individual veteran. So they, they are very involved with the later process of, of their specific service dog's training and what that dog is going to be able to provide for them. Well, that's interesting. And I imagine that uh, uh, dogs like uh, uh, people... Uh, you know, every so often there, there has to be some follow-up to those things uh, uh, for the basic operation. Uh, what, what, what's, what's included in that uh, follow-up training with the dog uh, and, uh, and the veteran? So we have a lifetime program. So any veteran that receives one of our dogs or is accepted into our program, we will maintain. We will continue to work with them for as long as they, they are willing. So. Um, so all of our services are free to our veterans. So anything we help them for, we don't ask them or their family for any, for any type of fundraising or any type of uh, crowdfunding or anything like that. So all of our services are free to them and to their eligible dependents. Um, but as well as uh, we offer community education, so we go out in the public and we, we talk about service dogs and we talk about veterans with their visible and invisible wounds and, you know, and, and, and disabilities, and then more specifically into service dog etiquette and, you know, and, pretty much just to educate the community about service dogs and about veterans and the things that they're going to see out there in public um, with these dogs. But as well as we offer a family integration program and a service dog support group, and both of these are specifically for the family and for the veteran to be able to do things together. So it's in order to, uh, you know, get the dog um, into the family and get, them, get the family members to understand what the dog does and doesn't do and how they help mom or dad. Uh, but as well as answer questions, um, one of the big things we get from spouses, one of the biggest questions is, well, why can't I learn to help my spouse this way? Or why can't I do this? Or why does the dog provide this and kind of separates my family? And so our family integration program is specifically meant to answer those questions, to bring the family together as a group. You know, it's not just about the service dog and the veteran. We want them to be able to uh, work with their family, get out there in public with them, be able to you know, have a, a life that they may have, um, they may have been restricted from. Um, so we try to offer everything from A to Z to the veterans and their families for, 
you know, get, get, getting them out there and getting them in public, um, you know, continuing with their treatment plan, you know, working on any long-term and short-term goals they may have for their family or for their, uh, their, uh, their career. Some of the veterans we get are still active duty. In fact, we've placed three service dogs with active, active duty uh, veterans that uh, are in the process of getting out of the military. Um, and then last year we graduated 11, uh, 11 dogs in 2016, and that was, you know, most of our dogs were about a year and a half old um, and then went through that training. And this year we're projected to uh, graduate 14 dogs, uh, service dogs. Well, you know, Chris, I found that uh, family integration piece uh, really fascinating because I think, uh, as you've described, the dog is a part of the family, and uh, and there has to be that integration there with uh, the dog, the uh, the veteran, and the family. That's fascinating. Uh, uh, one other thing that uh, uh, is uh, of interest to me is. The maintenance of, of the dog in terms of, you know, just, again, like a, uh, a person, I mean, there's, there's got to be something in there with uh, health concerns, doctor's visits, and even to the day-to-day operations such as food and nutrition. Talk to us a little bit about that. So we try to... We try to involve the veterans and their families with everything um, that's going to go into their dog's training as well as to the lifetime care of the dog. So we try to, we, we, we want the veterans and the families to all be a part of uh, the dog um, and, and everything the dog is providing. So we try to, you know, answer as many questions as we can. We teach several classes. They get, um, you know, their American with Disability Act class, their public access <laughs> class. They get... The whole family will get uh, reasonable accommodations, um, you know, for travel, for being able to fly, for, you know, everything you can imagine from, you know, uh, just day-to-day, like you're saying, day-to-day operations to, you know, those family trips. Um, you know, and everybody in the family should be able to, you know, know how to handle the dog and, and know how to act around the dog and what is expected uh, of the service dog. All right. Now, you also seem to use, uh, you said you use rescue and donated dogs uh, and uh, other programs that we've had on our canine programs. uh, They use breeding programs. What's the difference between the two? Um, On paper, the predominant reason for having the breeding program is just control of the genetics, being able to say on paper this dog will live 12 plus years and always going to be healthy and 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 you know, and that's pretty much what it is. But as well as as a way to continue continue those breeding lines on, we're always getting better dogs. And and, and 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 I could go in for 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 hours talking about the breeding programs. But we don't use a breeding program um, specifically because the costs are expensive uh, and the failure rates. The the uh, the service dog you know is purpose bred litters. You know, the hundred percent of those are not going to graduate. They're not going to be able to come service dogs. Um, so the cost is a lot cheaper to not use a breeding program. But the real reason that we use, uh, use rescue and mixed breed dogs is not everybody likes a lab. Not everybody likes a golden, or German Shepherd or Golden Retriever. And there are countless amount of dogs in the shelters. Uh, and if you look at the demographics that, you know, some, some places accept about 2%, some will say even as high as 10% of all dogs are uh, able to become service dogs. So with the hundreds of thousands that of, of rescue dogs that are in shelters that aren't loved, that, you know, are potentially facing, a, you know, euthanasia, 
um, you know, we can find something for the, for them. We can, you know, we're out there looking in these shelters for dogs that want, want something to do that, you know, have, are just looking for that purpose and need that training. So we go out there and we, we, we find these dogs and we actually work with a local organization, Operation Paws for Homes, and they've supplied uh, 10 of our uh, rescue dogs over the last two and a half years, and every single one of them have graduated as a service dog or are uh, almost finished with their service dog training now. All right. Now, Chris, do you have any unique stories about uh, a veteran and his dog? We don't have to mention uh, yeah, names. I have, uh, yeah, I have, I have a lot. Um, but uh, there a few of my favorite, and these are not specific to uh, any direct individual because I've run into a lot of veterans that they're just looking for a change. They're looking for something successful, something they can accomplish that, you know, has, has, you know, gives them some drive. And a lot of our military veterans are getting out and they're, they're having a hard time, you know, reintegrating back into the public and to, to, uh, uh, you know, finding a job that they, they enjoy and they can stick to and, you know, that, that fits what they need. Um, and so one of my favorite things, and I just had this with a veteran, I think a week ago, um, where she is in the process of getting out of the military and just really has no idea what she wants to do. Um, and so in the last six months that I've been working with her, she's taken the dog training really, really well. And I have another veteran who she's kind of, uh, I think, you know, has learned a lot from. They both are, you know, are considering becoming dog trainers and training service dogs for veterans. Um, and I think, you know, them not knowing that this was even an opportunity or, or veterans are out there knowing, you know, that love dogs, have trained dogs, you know, for a majority of their life. But, you know, at a bare minimum, you can get out there and, you know, talk to, you know, find other veterans in the community. You guys can work together, you know, just with your family pets. Um, you know, you may not need a service dog, but, you know, dog training, dog obedience, training dogs to do, you know, anything under the sun is a big accomplishment. And it's fun, and it's very military-specific. You know, you're teaching this dog to do something to accomplish this goal. And being able to do it together is a, uh, is a very rewarding thing to be able to see. And being a part of it is even just not much more reflective of what Semper Canine really is trying to do. All right. How's the community grasping this? Uh, we have had a, a huge outreach. Um, we get uh, almost all of our uh, funding comes from the community, either through uh, donate, private donations, but we've had uh, lots of uh, uh, schools, uh, middle schools, high school, uh, and elementary schools in Prince William County and surrounding counties all over northern Virginia that have done fundraisers for us, that have invited us out. Um, we regularly attend uh, three or four events a week um, that, you know, going out, talking about service all, talk about veterans and their disabilities, you know, and just raising awareness to, to the community. And we have been uh, accepted with open arms, and that's the reason we're sticking to Prince William County. Um, you know, I was, uh, I, we, my wife and I have lived here for four years now, and uh, the community is very accepting and, and very loving, and We've gotten integrated into it very well. So we love Prince William County and, and Northern Virginia. I don't imagine we'd ever go anywhere else. Wow. Bill? Oh, well, let's get, you know what's worthwhile mentioning right now is that also 97% of every all the donations and funding that comes in goes for dog, the dogs and training, correct? Yes, sir. So we we pride ourselves on being very transparent, and this is, as you said, is uh, very uh, noticeable on our website. All of our financials are on there. 
we're a guide star plan and participant, which means we've provided every, you know, and I would say every receipt, but we've provided full financials for all of our programs. And like you said, 97% of our, our, uh, the funds that we raise go directly to our service dogs and our veteran programs. Um, and that means that only two, I think 2.8%, um, covers admin costs, which is, you know, just your regular, you know, keeping the lights on and stuff like that, um, keeping paperwork and all that stuff going. Right. But we also pride ourselves on the fact that uh, even myself, um, I'm not a regular employee. We have zero regular employees with Supercan. Everybody's either a volunteer or a contractor. Um, and then, I, like I said, I'm the only one that's actually even a contractor. Uh, and that's because uh-huh. I do majority of the work. And uh, when I say majority of the work, I'm trained uh, directly with all the dogs. Um, but, you know, when we first started this, my biggest uh, uh, accomplishment for Semper Canine was services would be free to veterans, and, you know, we would never ask our, you know, our participants, our volunteers for anything. That we would, we would figure out funding, you know, however we needed to, but we wanted to be able to provide everything we could free of charge to all veterans, all their families, and that will never change. All right. Well, we're going to take a break right now. But before we do, I just want to remind everybody that we have a new section on our website. It's called the Premier Events and Fundraisers. This is a section that you'll find accredited, successful grassroots organizations that are truly helping our veterans with a multitude of resources. We believe that grassroots organizations have provided significant and substantial platforms for advocacy, assistance, and information for veterans and their families in the communities in which they serve. Please attend the next event or fundraiser in your area. Events will be linked to their organization logos and be sure to go to the VSP channel and Foles of Honors to learn more about the veteran resources of their upcoming events. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and syndicated on iTunes. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. 
Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Christopher Beatty, with Semper Canine. And Bill? Yes, uh, Gary. Um, uh, Chris, I, I, I'm interested in it, and hopefully this isn't a common reoccurrence, but are there any uh, uh, situations whereby you find that a dog and a veteran are not a good fit? And uh, beyond that, tell us a little bit about what goes into the bonding process between the dog and the veteran. And that, and that's a, a very long answer, um, but I think I could shorten it. Um, so in the three to six months that we work directly with those veterans and a dog and, and several of our dogs, so when our veterans, they come into the program, they, ha- they have to complete about 30 hours of instruction training before they actually get unsupervised time with their dogs or they get that opportunity to start bonding with them. But during that process, they're learning all the obedience. They're, they're meeting, you know, if not all of them, a majority of our dogs. And we don't force any dogs on the veterans. We wait for that bond to happen or we wait for, hey, this, this veteran can really start working with this dog and the dog is really responding to the veteran really well. Unfortunately, I think a lot of people think that the bond happens like overnight, you know, that they're just going to meet the dog and the dog's going to fall in love with them like they met, you know, a a litter of puppies at the breeder. Um, And unfortunately, it's just not like that. Um, But uh, we do run into those veterans, especially with our maintenance training program. Uh, We get veterans that apply, you know, they have a family pet or they have a dog or a dog was donated to them by uh, a breeder or an organization that that helps uh, provide service dogs. And so some, some of our maintenance training veterans come in and they have, a, you know, a puppy or they have an older dog that we're working with. And I have noticed it. a lot of the times the dog is not going to accomplish what the person wants them to do. And it's specifically just a conflict with their disability and what their disability, uh, what the challenges are included. And sometimes dogs, you know, a certain type of dogs will not perform for them. So that is my biggest challenge um, when working with uh, veterans who have their family pets that we're in the process of trying to train for them. If some of the dogs just do not provide certain tasks or activities for, um, that would be considered a disability meeting task for their particular disability. But with that, I can usually take the, the bond, take the obedience, and I can either create something that does provide an enhancement to their lifestyle, and it could be as simple as something as simple as a dog just sitting at their feet and not roaming around the house or being uh, vigilant on, you know, people out in public or anything like that, literally just giving the veteran attention and giving them something to do. So even if I can't get the dog to perform, you know, disability mitigating tasks for the person, I can still provide enough obedience for the dog to be able to make the life a little bit easier in the home. You know, the kids can work with the dog. You know, and over time, if the dog does start to learn and does start to uh, pick up all the tasks, then we will be able to place them. But to go back to the bonding portion, um, that is the most inspirational part of service dog placement is being able to work with these veterans and being able to see them working with different dogs. And they make it very obvious uh, on their own. They they, They will tell me, and I tell them this early on, you know, you know, give me your notes. Give me, you know, tell me what you feel, you know, about this dog and what you like about this dog or what you don't like about this dog. And we can either work at it, right, or we can, you know, try a different dog. But I never really make it to that point because usually once the veterans start working with a couple of dogs, it's very obvious very quickly which dog matches with them really well. 
and we have 15 dogs in the program right now, and I'm going to we're going to be graduating 17 or 14 this year, and uh, five to seven of those will be our actual rescue dogs that that uh, we acquired and that we're placing. And out of out of those uh, five or six dogs, uh, three of them have actively started working with their veterans. And to give a timeline, I would say two, three weeks um, before I know pretty quickly what, what dog is going to go with what veteran. Um, and this is just really just apparent from the way they work with them, being able to complete some of the, uh, the obstacles that I'll put in front of them, being able to complete the public access test with their dog, but as well as the most important part, which is, the dog performing those disability mini aid tasks for that veteran, um, whether it's just spending time with them, uh, alerting to certain behaviors, um, reminding them to take their medication, um, leaning against them as they start to fidget or if they start to, you know, get anxious or you know start to uh, want to avoid a situation or a setting. The dogs will are trained to respond to that, give the person attention, distract them, um, even maybe position themselves a little bit differently that makes the person more comfortable. So Chris, that, uh, that, in, that, in a nutshell, sure. is, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I think you were leading into this, uh, but but that, that that's very interesting that you mentioned that. And, and, and you know, some of the, the kinds of concerns that the veteran might have that you just mentioned. Say, for an a- example, in crowd situation, knowing that there's an issue with that veteran and crowds and how the dog performs, and also, as you mentioned, that uh, being timely with uh, taking medication or even getting out of bed in the morning or in the afternoon uh, at, the, uh, at the appropriate time. It's to how the dog performs to keep the veteran on track with that requirement. Yes, sir, and that is probably the main task of a service dog is to provide routine, whether it's Every morning they're going to be getting up at 8 a.m. and they're going to want to, you know, or 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. Whatever you, whatever kind of routine you allow the dog to have, they'll kind of fit into that. And that's where the medication reminders. That's where, you know, the dog motivating the person to get out of bed. Hey, get up! I got to eat breakfast. You know, I need to go to the restroom. You know, you know, so on and so forth. And so that's a, you know, a kind of an inert uh, motivation that comes with a service dog. But the other side of it too is like you were saying, and we don't, I don't prescribe any particular list of disability mitigating tasks. And by that, I mean, if an organization uh, uh, like a governing body such as American, uh, or excuse me, uh, Assistance Dog International, you know, if they put out a list and said, these are psychiatric alert service dog tasks and nothing else counts. Uh, I don't prescribe to that specifically because everybody's different, every dog is different, every situation is, is should be individualized. So when we talk about, uh, you know, being able to get out in public and, and being comfortable with your setting, it really comes down from a dog just obedient. Um, and as an example, if a veteran has uh, proximity challenges, they don't like people to be too close to them, or, you know, they, they like people to keep people outside of their bubble, I can easily teach a dog to respond to an obedience command and just stand in front of the veteran. Uh, and this is not a protective thing. It just creates space. And so the person can't literally step on top of the dog to get in near too close to the person. Um, but even things like uh, the dog being able to respond to an individual, you know, coming behind you or calling your name or, or walking past you, trying to get your attention or anything, even a, a cell phone ringing. We're just teaching the dog to bridge a behavior with a reward. 
So they accomplish, you know, do something, stand up or um, retrieve something, you know, respond to a, a command, and they just do something, and that inherently um, will provide comfort or enhance the quality, you know, that situation for that individual. Uh, but it could be as simple as, hey, I want to go, I've got to get up and go to the store. Uh, I don't want to forget anything. So, you know, you and your dog together get your bag, you get your medication, you grab your cell phone, you, know, you may have misplaced your cell phone, and we can teach the dog to, hey, go go check the couch, go check the counter, go check the t- kitchen table. And if you find my cell phone, bring it back to me. So the veteran's not all anxious about running late. They're not trying to find this, that, and the other. Um, but those that is not considered a psychiatric alert task. That is considered a mobility task. So I don't prescribe to these lists specifically because I can take a retrieval situation to avoid a veteran being anxious, being late, you know, quitting. I'm not even going to go to work today because I can't find my cell phone. The dog uses his really good nose and the training to go check all these places in, you know, a fraction of the time it would take us without having to be stressed. And it's fun for the dog. It's a game. Um, so they get to get back and they're all, hey, I found your cell phone. And, you know, and they give it to the veteran. It's okay, let's go. You know, so it's a, it's a wave of relief to be able to have a little bit of assistance, uh, to be able to do things faster. Um, but it's like you said, creating that routine. Hey, every morning we get up, we do this. Every morning we go to breakfast, we go, we go out and we, we have coffee at this place. And then I go to work or, or whatever the situation is. And the dog is just their battle buddy. They're going from point A to point B with them and providing cash, providing assurance, you know, enhancing their day-to-day life just by being there. All right. Now, you also offer something that uh, I've, I've seen very seldom uh, with other organizations that uh, have service dogs is uh, you have a lifetime program, uh, maintenance right up to retirement. Tell us about that. So one of the things that we ran into probably about a year after we started um, was veterans that come to us and they either have a service dog from another organization that may or may not even exist or they don't have lifetime programs, uh, meaning that they provide a dog and that dog will, you know, should be able to work for eight to five, or excuse me, five to eight years. And at that point, they'll have to reapply or find another organization or whatever it is. Um, so to alleviate that, we can't create the maintenance training program as well as making it lifetime that if you get one of our dogs or we graduate a dog, you know, one of your dogs, we, you know, whatever we service we provide for them, we will continue to provide that service as long as they want it. So they get one of our dogs, you know, five to eight years from now, we'll look at replacing that dog and you're retiring it and, you know, and, and placing him in a retirement situation or they can keep the dog and we'll, you know, add a new dog to the situation. Or, you know, we also can offer, you know, a little more advanced options. Some, some of our veterans that have had service dogs uh, from other organizations that are retiring and they're getting one of our dogs or they want to you know, go through our program, we can reach out to breeders if they want a specific breed or they want a dog that's going to last as long as it physically will be able to. Um, or if they want to be more involved with their dog's training. So, you know, maybe they got a German Shepherd from an organization and, you know, they, they went out, you know, they waited for two years, went out there, got the dog, um, spent two weeks with them, and then went home with the dog. Um, this way they would be offered the opportunity, hey, I want to train my dog, I want to be more involved, I've got better handling skills now, I had my service dog for, you know, 10 years, um, and I've learned a ton that's, you know, maybe a service dog organization wouldn't be as good at or doesn't, or they can express it as well. Um, but it also gives them that sense of accomplishment of, hey, I'm not 
you know, quote unquote, stealing from another veteran, and that's a common thing we get. You know, that uh, and the Veterans Affairs will tell you the same thing. You know, applying for a service dog doesn't steal a service dog or steal funding or attention from anyone else. It, in fact, it provides um, uh, funding for. And I, I think for the VA, the way it was explained to me is every veteran that applies for benefits through the Veteran Affairs provides funding for three other veterans, whether they get approved or not. Just their application creates funding for three other veterans. So the same thing kind of goes for us. The more, you know, uh, we had, uh, we've had we had 150 applications for service dogs in the last two and a half years, and, uh, and we've produced, you know, barely 20. Um, so, uh, you know, we're never going to really, you know, meet that, that demand. Um, at, uh, and the industry is never really going to meet that demand the way we're going right now. Mm-hmm. But me opening up access to the veteran, you know, to veterans who have family pets or, you know, uh, who, you know, want to get a rescue dog or want to find a dog in a shelter or want a particular type of dog, whether it's big, small, boy, girl, long hair, short hair, anything like that. Um, but as well as we give tons more opportunities for uh, dogs in the shelters to get out of the shelters, get a job, get out there and do something, you know, uh, um, but as well as um, giving those veterans something to accomplish. So they get to, hey, I'm going to be more in, you know, involved with my service dog. Um, I'll be, you know, I train this dog versus I got him from an organization. So it opens mm-hmm. up a lot of avenues for veterans, um, but as well, I think it, it eliminates um, uh, boundaries or barriers. Um, you know, like that funding question, you know, I don't want to take a dog from someone else. How much involved is it going to be? You know, I don't even like golden retrievers. Uh, I don't like labs. Or, you know, whatever the situation is, we open up a whole new avenue to options for veterans just on changing, you know, the basic premises of the service dog does not have to come from a breeding program. It does not have to come from, you know, a you know $100,000 breeder. It does not have to come from that. It can literally be the $35 adoption fee from the shelter. And it could be a pit bull, it could be a German shepherd, it could be, you know, a, we, our first dog, Norman, is a mixture of who knows what. Um, but he's a phenomenal uh, uh, example of what a service dog should and shouldn't do. And by saying that, you know, Norman's the only dog that we've trained that did not graduate as a service dog. We, uh, he has a little bit of finicky issue with certain men, which, which happens. Um, and that is some of the things that we run into with, with veterans and their family pets is not every dog is going to be able to uh, become a service dog. But at a bare minimum, we can provide obedience. We can get the dog working for the family, working for you, not have, not stealing, you know, turkey dinners off the table or peeing in the floor or anything like that. You know, and that's why we're simple canine assisted dogs versus simple canine service dogs. Um, it doesn't have to be a service dog to provide assistance to someone, whether it's therapy, um, if you wanted to work, you know, work in an assisted living facility to work with disabled children. You know, I've got uh, one of my one of my graduates that has uh, one of our service dogs is in the process of cross training her, um, and he wants to start a therapy business working with. Uh, uh, developmental intellectual delays with children. He himself has a, uh, a disabled child, and he wants to be able to take that and be able to provide provide for his community as well and for, for in other individuals with disabilities. So there's always the opportunity for other training and cross-training, and, and he, there's, there's tons of things within the assistance dog industry that's not just service dogs with disabilities. So giving right. those opportunities to veterans is, you know, one of my favorite things. 
Right. Well, we're going to take a break. You're listening to the American Heroes Network Radio, powered by Voice America on the Variety Channel, and we'll be right back. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. By providing a unique blend of information and advocacy, we are helping our American heroes and their families to heal, successfully transition into civilian life, and to thrive in their communities. This generation will not be forgotten. Today's military are our sons and daughters. Listen live to the American Heroes Network, the worldwide voice for our military families and veterans, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. All shows are archived on American Heroes network.com and syndicated on iTunes. For those corporations or organizations who wish to support our veterans, sponsoring and promotion on the American Heroes Network has never been easier or smarter. As the only network focused to specifically reach the military and veteran population globally. For more information, email us at sponsorinfo at americanheroesnetwork.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to American Heroes Network. If you want to find out more about us or to contact us with questions or comments about the show, please send an email to American Heroes Network at gmail.com. That's American Heroes Network at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back. We're here with our guest, Chris Beatty from Semper Canine. And Bill, I know you had a question. It's getting close to closing. Go ahead. Yes, yes, it is, Gary. And Chris, uh, uh, can you tell us uh, a little bit about some of the special events that's coming up, uh, special things that you're doing, and I, I, and I would imagine the volunteers and the assistants in any way? Uh, let our uh, listening audience in on that. So we are a volunteer-driven organization. Um, like I said earlier, we you know we're not in this to make money. You know, and there's no point that we. You know, are trying to become millionaires. Um, with that being said, and, and you know, us, our objective to, to spend as much of our money as we can on these veterans. Um, we're we're stuck at a kind of an impasse. We're looking to expand. We expanded back last year and went from six to ten dogs to ten to twenty. Um, and through the last uh, you know six months of me researching, I've been able to uh, create an expansion plan that would uh, would keep our region and our training model uh, in, integral. But we'd be able to do about 48 dogs a year. Um, currently, we do one to two graduations, uh, and in those graduations, maybe between six and ten dogs. But we are, are turning down a lot of dogs and turning down uh, and having to put veterans on hold when we don't really feel we need to. Uh, our biggest challenges are funding, of course, and as well as a working facility. Um, the way our training model is set up, we can easily graduate between three and six dogs every one to three months, and that'll put us between 24 and 48 dog service dogs graduating per year. Um, but of course, you know the only way we're able to do that is having lots of volunteers. Um, one of the biggest 
opportunities with Zipper Canine as far as volunteer goes is being a canine coach. Uh, and you may have heard the term puppy parent or puppy raiser or something along those terms by a different organization. Um, but we go above and beyond that. We try to provide uh, service dogs and training to coaches who are, you know, ready to go out in town, ready to do something. Uh, if you're looking for a challenge and, you know, you love animals and you love helping, helping veterans, you know, you spend uh, one to two hours a week with me for about a month and I could turn you into a service dog trainer. Uh, and I promise this. Uh, I've done it with uh, 10-year-old kids um, all the way up to, uh, you know, 50-year-old uh, ladies. Um, so... I promise if you're, uh, you know, into, into learning it, I can provide you the opportunity to, to, to train dogs. Um, I'll give you some, some free instruction on uh, how to train your family pet as well. Um, but at a bare minimum, you'll be able to spend the next year providing for a veteran, uh, and, and you'll be able to follow that dog, you know, after they graduate with their veteran, um, and you'll be able to, uh, you know, brag to your friends about uh, how much work you did with that dog and the problems that dog had and the accomplishments you made with them. Uh, but with that, um, we we created um, a, a couple of new programs, um, and specifically, uh, we created American Service Dogs magazine. And if you go to AmericanServiceDogs.org or .com, it will take you to our masthead for the magazine. Now, American Service Dogs magazine, unlike the name, is not specifically meant for veterans, or excuse me, not specifically meant for service dogs. It's meant for right. uh, an opportunity to disseminate all the correct information with vet- veterans, disabilities, the ADA, veterans affairs, uh, mental health, uh, physical therapy, destinations, anything that a veteran or a veteran family may be interested in, with or without a service dog, um, being able to go to these things uh, and being yeah. able to use this magazine as an opportunity to know everything that's out there and all the right information. All right. Um, well, Chris, we only have we only have seconds left here, and I just want to just tell you that it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. And what we'd like to do is have you back in the near future, and and hopefully, uh, uh, again, you'll be growing at that time. And uh, again, thank you, and Bill, thank you. And I, again, once again, I want to say thanks to all our listeners and supporters. And remember, we spotlight and promote the best available information of interest to America's veterans and their families anytime, anywhere, and on any mobile device. I'm Gary Ray, along with my co-host Bill and our guest Chris Beatty. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. Thank you again for joining us for this week's edition of American Heroes Network. Please join Gary Ray again next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We are America, and we truly-